Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Looking at the issue of abortion beyond what the law requires, this is episode 91 of En Route. podcast that is at the intersection of church and Maine. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. And uh, that tagline with this episode, it really does. We In this episode, we really do live up to the tagline. Because, of course, we are talking about abortion. It was in 1973 that the Supreme Court voted 7-2 to two in favor of abortion rights nationwide. That was the case, Roe v. Wade. What happened next was basically a 50-year battle on the issue of abortion rights. Last week, someone, we don't know who, leaked a draft opinion written in February by Associate Justice Samuel Alito that appeared to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, it is important to note that this was a draft opinion in February, so that was several months ago, and things may have changed. How, however, if this did actually overturn Roe v. Wade, it would send the issue of abortion back to the states. And there are a number of states that are already crafting legislation that would either radically expand abortion rights or dramatically restrict and possibly, dramatically restrict and possibly ban abortion. So where does the church stand in the midst of all this? In part two of my conversation with the Episcopal priest and writer Frederick Schmidt, we chat about how the church shouldn't rely solely on the law. In fact, that it should move from what's simply legal to actually what is moral when it comes to women and the unborn. Schmidt is currently the vice rector of Good Shepherd Episcopal Church in Nashville, and as I said before, he has um, was the uh, um, ch- uh, chair of Reuben P. Job Chair in Spiritual Formation at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary in Evanston, Illinois. So, with that, let us listen to part two of my interview with Frederick Schmidt. So I wanted to actually uh, move on just to 
um, the most recent issue that seems to be dominating our brains these days, um, and that is um, the recent leak um, from of a uh, opinion, and it was a draft mm -hmm. opinion um, yeah. of that would Lisa at least in that draft opinion was was wanting to overturn um, uh, Roe versus Wade, mm -hmm. and that has been an issue in the church low these 50 years um you know we've heard a lot about it within evangelicalism but even with i mean within the mainline that's also been an issue um and it's been interesting the last week of people how should i put this lose their mind um in talking about all of this um, mm -hmm. you know there are people on kind of the pro-choice side that think that everything is lost. Um, we all should now start wearing red and have the, the, the hood kind of like the handmaid's tail. And on the other side are people who are now thinking, well, this is a great time to um, have laws that basically say, if you work someone, you have to go to jail. Um, where does the church stand in all of this? I mean, it's, this is an issue, you know, as we were talking earlier, it's, it's, it's a, I think a deeply theological issue, but is the church handling it theologically? On balance, I think the church is really struggling to handle it theologically. I think that politics have become such a dominant language for even what the church teaches mm -hmm. that we um, are not drawing on the tradition in order to navigate these issues. And I think that's tragic, really, because the whole issue around abortion, I don't think, can be navigated at all easily in terms of legislation. I think that the, the questions involved uh, are too, are too complex. Uh, the issues at stake uh, are too complicated to be able to navigate them in a purely legislative fashion. The, and I think that, and I think that one of the things that has been left out of the equation. And this is one of the things that I think the Christian faith raises really serious questions about uh, is just exactly where the whole conversation about rights fits into this. Mm -hmm. Because inter interestingly enough, you know, scripture talks about people being made in the image of God. 
which implies a certain regard for all lives. Mm -hmm. because, because, because we, you and I, and we are all made in the image of God. But hard behind that conviction is the can is is also uh, the obligation and responsibility that goes with being made in the image of God. So there's a there's a language about life in the Christian the Judeo Christian tradition that has been has been lost in the conversation about rights. Mm -hmm. rights. Rights were kind of the portable, secular version of things that we could talk about in the civic sphere, no matter what people believed religiously. But what we're what we're discovering is, is that uh, that concept, you know, that, that all people have certain rights. I mean, our, our own founding documents say they're self-evident. But if there's one thing that's quite evident is that they're not self-evident. I mean, no, no, matter no matter where you turn, there are huge debates about what those are mm -hmm. and there are global differences of opinion about what they are. And so from a Christian point of view, you know, I think we're left with the theological challenge of trying to orient ourselves to a, to an issue like abortion out of the rich resources of our faith. And I think that one of the things that Christians need to recognize is that uh, the civic conversation about it in the final analysis uh, is probably going to be inadequate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it would be because wherever you are on this, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, how we, at least as Christians, look at this issue is going to be very different. Um, and I think in the political sphere, it can only take us so far. Um, and so, you know, as you're saying, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? And, and how is that lived out, and especially in this situation? Um, is is things you have to kind of think about, you know, what is our tradition tell us and what, how would the theology tell us all about all of this? Right. You know, that's going to take us deeper. And I think in, in essence, actually then informs the political, or at least it should. Um, I don't think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's really working that well right now, but, <laughs> but, you know, it should inform it. And I guess the way that I see this, personally is I kind of in some ways see myself as somewhat pro-choice but both the woman and the unborn child are both created in the image of God you know they're they're both important so you can't just 
pick one and ignore the other. I mean, you just, you have to kind of deal with that. And what does that mean? And when is it, when does it make sense for abortion to happen? But when does it not make sense for it to happen? Because there are cases where it should not. And if you don't think that it should happen, then what happens with, how do we treat the woman who is now dealing with a pregnancy? You know, those are all of those issues and they're not simply political issues. They are truly theological issues. How do you treat this person and what do you, you know, and how do you do, and what do you do about it? And kind of understanding that, you know, because it, it deals with all of these big, the big, big questions of life, you know, what is personhood? Um, what is the value of a person's life? I mean, all of those issues, I think, are, are, are talked about, but we don't, at least in our, in our current debate, we don't really talk about it. No, I don't. I no, I don't think we do. You know, uh, when when I talk with my students about the topic of justice, for example, and I ask them, "So, what is justice?" Usually, what I get is is I get programmatic and political answers to that question mm-hmm. uh, that are shaped almost entirely by civic discourse. So then, you know, what I try to get them engaged in is a conversation. Okay, but what is justice from from a a Christian, a Judeo-Christian point of view? If if you look at scripture, if you look at the theology of the church, what is justice about? Well, you begin to realize that, that for starters, justice in terms of its perfect expression resides only in God. It's not as if, from a Christian point of view, justice ex- exists as a separate category or virtue or thing. It is a quality and a characteristic of God. And you begin to realize then when you begin looking at the prophets or you look at the teaching of Jesus and you begin to ask what justice is, you realize it has to do with the, with the harmony and the well-being of the individual in terms of their journey into God in Christ and the restoration of their the image of God in them, mm-hmm. which, which has to do with their relationship with God and with their relationship with others. And when you, when you begin to think about those things, you begin to realize that talking strictly in terms of rights uh, is profoundly unsatisfactory. It's abstract. Well, it's, well, it's, it's, it's abstract um, and it, uh, it doesn't bring you back to the questions that have to be grappled with mm-hmm. in, order to, in order to answer the question. I mean, what's, what's legal is not necessarily what's moral. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take, you take an example. Of, uh, I mean, I think that the vast majority of Americans would agree that, um, that if you, if you contemplate abortion, the occasions in which that uh, 
might be uh, tragic but necessary would have to do with the life of the mother being compromised. Mm-hmm. But even there, the question as to how one mother might navigate that moral question might really differ. One mother might say, save my child. Another mother might say, I have three other children who can't go without a mother. Um, there's no statute that's, that is going to help someone navigate those questions, those moral questions um, in a way that's definitive. And uh, I think I think that's why we have to we have to take you know we have to take uh, the moral question seriously. And the other thing too is is that you know the the kind of classic exceptions that we talk about in terms of abortion constitute something less than one percent of all abortions. So so how do we? How do we confront a world in which a large number of abortions are apparently about birth control? Mm-hmm. And that's a morally grave question. One that isn't easily solved by the law. No. Yeah, because I think what happens is, is that we think the law is basically the end of it. And that if we pass the law, then that's, we've solved the problem. And, you know, I don't know. (laughs) That's kind of the, there's still more to do. I mean, as you said, I think that there is something that can be legal, but there is still a moral issue there. And, you know, how does the church deal with that? How does the church handle that? Well, and I don't think that Christians can ever expect, and I and I think this applies to any area. So uh, this doesn't this doesn't have to do just with abortion. I don't think that any Christian can dispatch their moral obligation by seeing to it that certain laws are passed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Jesus says, "You have heard it said in the past, thou shalt not kill.' I say to you." If you hate your brother, you have already broken the commandment. Jesus is is constantly going back from the letter of the law to the will of God and challenging people to make themselves vulnerable to the will of God. And no statute and no law is going to do that. So. so I, th- I think when we throw ourselves into these debates with the implication that if we resolve the legislative issues, that we will have also resolved the questions that face us as Christians, I, I, think, I think we're completely mistaken about that. Uh, you know that's 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 why I, that's why I think I mean you know I mean look at the look at the questions we still face in terms of race. Um, we've changed a lot of laws, 
-hmm. And that's a good thing. It's created, it's created a context where certain things are not tolerated and are not as easily done as they once were Mm -hmm. because we've changed the boundaries of the law. But if we think for a moment that we've erased racism because we've changed the laws from a, from a Christian point of view, you know, where the justice of God reigns, well, we haven't done that. No. I, I can tell you for a fact, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Tish Warren Harrison. Um, I know of her, yes. Yeah. And, you know, she, this past week, um, had a, a column just talking to various people and, you know, kind of, and she's on the pro-life side, but she's one of someone that really is, you know, how do we, how do we actually help women in, in their, in, in this situation? Right. What is their the role? Um, that it, it goes beyond just the law, right? but it's really, how do we care for the person that is here exactly. in front of us? Right. And, it seems to me she is really is taking the theological belief of someone created in the image of God and really taking it, running with it from there. That here's yeah. this person, this woman, how do we help her? Yeah. Um, and I think even more so, even for women who do have abortions, where is the church for them? Um, because we know that there have been stories, and I've heard stories about women who've had abortions. That could be an emotional, horrible, I mean, it's a hard experience. And how do we sit with them? Or how do we, I don't know, offer pastoral care, offer things to that extent that I don't hear either side really talking about? Um, again, because it seems we're so focused on the legislative part. And I think, and I think that that's right. And I think as Christians, um, uh, I mean, I really, I'm really sympathetic with her way of putting it, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think that it's enough to sort of say it's illegal to do this, yeah. or or um, that kind of thing. You've got to ask questions mm-hmm. about the responsibility of men involved. Exactly. Yeah. You have to talk about the care of children. You have to talk about, you know, what actually do you do to care for someone who has a child who perhaps they're not, they're not equipped to care for them financially or in other ways. And it has to be holistic, Mm -hmm. but that gets back to my whole point about restoration of the image of God being the the well-being of the individual on their journey into God in Christ as it affects both their relationship with God and their relationship with others. The church ought to be a place where the healing of those relationships takes place is comprehensive. And unfortunately, that's not happening right now. 
No, I I don't. No, sadly, I don't think it is at all, Dennis. I don't think it's in. I don't think it's in the offing, on the debate at all. Um, it it looks to me as if, regardless of how this debate uh, ends, and of course, it's not going to end with a Supreme Court decision, no matter what. Yes. Decides. Uh, the the thing that people seem to be squarely focused on, and this sadly is a function of our politics, is that um, the two sides of the debate will score points and galvanize coalitions using it and will look to the midterms. And the people who caught who are caught up in the middle of it who who will be, you know, their lives will be maybe shaped to one degree or another by the legislative process, are going to be left to fend for themselves. And that's not something I think the church can do, is to leave people to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think... Like I said, it's this is probably of, of many of all the issues, and I think in our discussion, having in this time of discussion, is how much I think politics have become the idol. Um, you know, that's the thing that we all see as the important thing. Um, right. It's not God, and it's not the people. It's it's politics, and. It seems of any issue where we need to focus on God and on people, it should be abortion, but it's not. It's just, it seems like, at least in our society, we just don't. It, it's just a political issue. I think that's right. And it's, it's become a religious language mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And uh, I think that one of the things we have to really name as Christians is the inadequacy of political language. One of the things things that's really tragic uh, about all of this is that the the church and the church's understandings of these issues and and the wisdom that has accumulated over the centuries has become a universal language. And what's really very interesting is, is that these political conversations and legislative issues, by contrast, uh, are parochial. Mm. Uh, The laws in this country are not the end all of human life. Uh, What we are are discussing right now uh, relative to the rest of the world and the rest of human history is a nanosecond and a minority discussion uh, in a world that over the last two millennia, you know, has, you know, seen the rise of an understanding of how to navigate these issues that, that takes in countless cultures and nations. And uh, I think it's tragic that the, that the, you know, to go back to your point about speaking with confidence about what we believe as Christians, 
I think that we ought to own the language of our tradition in addressing these issues. Well, that is a good place and hopeful place. At least I hope it is to end this conversation. Um, before we, I let you go, where, um, if people want to, um, are just kind of hearing about you for the first time and want to follow along on the web, where should they go? Uh, I write at Patheos mm-hmm. uh, in a, on a column called uh, What God Wants for Your Life, a blog. It's on the Progressive Christian Channel at Patheos, P-A-T-H-E-O-S.com. And uh, happy to have people follow me there. All right. Well, um, Frederick Schmidt, thank you um, for taking the time. Um, It's always great to talk to you, and I'm hoping we can talk again um, on some other fascinating issue. Same here. All right. Take care. Bye. is an issue that will continue to be talked about long after the Supreme Court decides this current case on abortion rights. But as Frederick Schmidt notes, the legality of abortion is one thing. The morality of the issue is another thing entirely. The state can determine when a woman can terminate her pregnancy, but what's society's obligation to the woman and the unborn child? As Schmidt notes, both are created in the image of God, so how are they to be cared for? Can the church be a place that stands with women, giving them support, especially at this at a delicate time in their lives? Can the church provide assistance, money, material, other things, if a woman decides to keep her, her baby? And also, if she does decide to terminate her pregnancy, will they be there to provide comfort? as she deals with the effects of, the after effects of her decision. When it comes to abortion, the question isn't what the state allows, but what does the Lord require of us? I want to thank you for listening, and I am thankful for Frederick Schmidt for his um, willingness to talk to me on, on both of these important issues. Consider supporting this podcast by making a donation. Your gifts help to cover some of the costs associated with this podcast, and it allows me to continue to produce content that's worth a listen. You can donate at the Enroot website by going to enrootpodcast.org backslash donate. And that is it for this episode of Enroot, the podcast that is at the intersection of Church and Maine. I'm Dennis Sanders, your host. Take care. Godspeed. We'll see you soon with another issue and topic.